I'm back with a new series now. I did my series through the uh, through Tulip. You can find that playlist right here. Uh, that's through the five points individually. It's originally of me preaching at a home fellowship in North Carolina that I was a part of through all five points. Recently started another series called Consistent Calvinism, uh, which goes through the issues that Calvinism claims, and it holds Calvinists consistent to the consequences of their theology, which most of them deny. And now we start a new series called Early Church versus Calvinism. Now, I often hear Calvinists say, um, this is the orthodox faith, it's a uh, it's the historical faith. I hear things like that from all different kinds of Calvinists, whether they're the famous Calvinist or the, the uh, you know Calvinists on YouTube, whoever it may be. And I find this very uh, amusing, to put it to, to say the least. Uh, so, what I want to do in this series is I want to look at the early church writings. And what I mean by early church, I don't mean Augustine and after. I mean before Augustine. I mean anti-Nicene fathers before, fathers before the Council of Nicaea. And uh, so we're going to look at them and see what they have to say and see if their writings line up with what is known as Calvinism in our modern day setting. And, you know, Calvinism was really started by Augustine, but we won't get to that today. I've already mentioned that many times in our videos. Um, and I want you to see if, if, you know, in the early church, if they considered Calvinism to be orthodox or if they considered it to be heresy. And you'll see through this series what I mean by that. Um, so, and let me just, before some straw man arguments get thrown out there by the Calvinists, I'm, I'm being prepared for it now, let me just say some things. I'm not equating early church fathers' writings to scripture. I'm not blindly following early church fathers' writings. I'm not saying their writings are inspired. We need to test everything we read as Christians against the word of God. We need to be Bereans. Uh, whether it's the early church fathers, whether it's John Wesley or Charles Finney or Pelagius, or uh, oh, I said the P word, didn't I? Or uh, John uh, MacArthur or John Piper, or R.C. Sproul, Paul Washer, whoever it may be, where they're speaking or writing, we need to test what they say against the Word of God. I mean, if the Apostle Paul commended the Bereans for testing him, uh, the Apostles to the Gentiles who wrote over half the New Testament, they commend, he commended them for testing what he said against the Old Testament, uh, then Anyone who gets tested, gets what they teach or what they say, testing against the Word of God, should commend people for doing so. So once again, it's always sola scriptura. But the, like I said, the whole reason I'm doing this series is to refute this idea that Calvinism equals orthodoxy, or Calvinism equals historic faith, or Calvinism equals early church beliefs and early church fathers' writings. None of those things are true. So, hopefully through this series, you'll see uh, what I'm talking about. Now, today, in the first video of the series, we're going to look at this issue of free will. Now, in the near future, I'm going to tackle this issue from the scriptures, but today I want to look at what the early church fathers had to say in regards to what Calvinists have to say. Now, let's review what Calvinists believe in this issue of free will. Now, I've seen certain videos posted <coughs> by Calvinists <coughs> where they label free will as a doctrine of demons. And this just makes me laugh. It really does. A doctrine of demons to say that man is a sinner because he's chosen to sin, not because of necessity, not because of what Adam and Eve did long ago, 
not because they're born with a sinful nature or they're born sinners, but because they freely have chosen to sin, that's a doctrine of demons? Because they give themselves no excuse for their sin and take full accountability and responsibility for sin because they believe they had free will? This is laughable, I believe. Um, but, you know, free will is something that I believe in the Scripture is, is assumed. Uh, but because Calvinists believe it's, it's a doctrine of demons, or some of them do, I'm not saying everyone does as a Calvinist, uh, but Calvinists will come up with things called compatibilism, which simply says that God's sovereignty, their definition of sovereignty, by the way, that God is the primary cause of all things, and man's free will can coexist, which is, uh, which is ridiculous. It's a contradiction in terms. It can't happen. God, God can't be controlling every single little thing we do, and that's how you're going to define sovereignty. It's not how I define sovereignty, by the way. But if you're going to define sovereignty like that, you can't have that. God being the primary cause of all things, and man to have free will at the same time. It can't happen. Impossible. Um, so they have compatibilism. They also have things like, well, maybe Adam and Eve had free will, but every person from there on out does not have free will. They'll say things like, well, you have free will within your nature. Uh, you know, if you have a sinful nature, therefore you, you, you only choose to sin. Uh, John MacArthur says stuff like, pick your poison is all you're able to do. You're not able to obey God. You're not able to choose to repent and trust in Him. And this is the doctrine of total inability. So these are some of the things they believe. And they believe once you become a Christian, of course, now you can pick to sin or not to sin. It's only then when you can pick to sin or not to sin. So there's something wrong with you from birth where you have to be changed after that to fix what happened at birth. Um, so that these are some of the things that Calvinists believe when it comes to total inability, total depravity, when it comes to free will. Now, they don't define free will the same way. I would define free will, but they'll speak out of both sides of their mouth. So, yeah, man has free will, but God's determining everything, which is ridiculous. So, obviously, we have a, a, a problem with our defining of words here. When I say free will, I simply mean that man has the power to choose good or evil. He has the power to choose to obey temptation or to obey God to uh, give in to gratif selfish gratification or to not give in to it and to uh, have self-control. Man is born with that power called free will. And that's, this is one of the reasons why we believe uh, one of the things that flows from man being made in God's image. That he's intelligent, he's rational, he's logical, he's, he's moral, or he has a sense of morality within him given by God, he's a conscience. He also has free will and in this sense Man is made in God's image. Okay, so let, let's get to the nitty-gritty here. Let, let's get to some quotes from the early church fathers. I'm going to read from like seven or eight different early church fathers. I'm talking about people who were right after the apostles. And I'm going to give you their quotes, their names, the period of time they came from, and the reference to you. So you can look it up for yourself. So you don't think I'm trying to trick you here. Um, now the references will probably just be in the actual quotes themselves. I'm not going to read the references, but I'll tell you who it was from, and about the time that this was written or said by this person. Okay, let's do that first quote. This is by Justin Martyr. Justin Martyr wrote this around 160 A.D. In the beginning, he made the human race with the power of thought and of choosing the truth and doing right, so that all men are without excuse before God. So the whole foundation, according to Justin Martin, I agree with this premise, of men not having an excuse before God is them having free will. If you don't have free will, therefore you don't have an excuse. You actually do have an excuse before God for your rebellion. Let's get one more quote from Justin Martin, around the same time, 160 AD. 
let some suppose, from what has been said by us, that we say that whatever occurs happens by a fatal necessity. Because it is foretold as known beforehand, this too we explain. We have learned from the prophets, and we hold it to be true, that punishments, chastisements, and good rewards are rendered according to the merit of each man's actions. Now, this is not so, but all things happen by fate, or predestined, then neither is anything at all in our, our own power. For if it is predetermined that this man will be good, and this other man will be evil, neither is the first one meritorious, nor the latter man to be blamed. And again, unless the human race has the power of avoiding evil and choosing good by free choice, they are not accountable for their actions. Once again, he has a just a martyr shows his good sense of justice and what that means to for God to be just or God to be unjust. Not simply saying that God can do whatever He wants and whatever God does is just. Uh, if God lied, it'd be unjust. If God uh, sent people to hell for no good reason, but the way He made them, that'd be unjust. And God holds Himself to this standard as well. All right, let's look at a quote from it. Someone else this time. Let's look at some a quote from a guy named Tatian. Uh, writing around 160 A.D. Our free will has destroyed us. We who are free have become slaves. We have been sold through sin. Nothing evil has been created by God. We ourselves have manifested wickedness. But we who have manifested it are able to reject it again. Now you see what Tatian is saying here? He's saying our own free will has destroyed us, not because we have free will, but because we've used our free will wrongly. But he also says, listen at the end again, he says, but we who have manifested it, the evil, from using our free will wrongly, are able again to reject it. Ability to reject it. Total inability. <coughs> not biblical. Not historical. The early church fathers did not believe it. Universally, as you will see as I continue to read through the other early church fathers. So Tatian, running around 160 AD, disagrees with this predetermining predestination he believes, believes in free will. Alright, Melito, 170 AD. There is therefore nothing to hinder you from changing your evil manner of life because you are a free man. Melito, around 170 AD. So there's nothing to hinder you from changing your evil manner of life because you are a free man. Total inability. Not true, not biblical, not historical. Early church fathers did not believe it. Theophilus, writing around 180 AD. If, on the other hand, he would turn to the things of death, talking about man, disobeying God, he would himself be the cause of death to himself, talking about spiritual death here. For God made man free with power of himself. Free with power of of himself, Theophilus, 180 A.D. Irenaeus, writing around 180 A.D. But man, being endowed with reason, and in this respect similar to God, having been made free in his will, with power over himself, is himself his own cause that sometimes he becomes wheat and sometimes chaff. So man's the only man his own cause, made in the image of God, God has free will, therefore we have free will, made in his image, and we are our own cause of becoming wheat or chaff, good or evil. That's what wheat and chaff means in the Bible. That's symbolic of. Alright, Irenaeus, around one eighty AD. 
Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good deeds. And why call me Lord, Lord, do not do the things that I, commit, I say? All such passages demonstrate the independent will of man, for it is in man's power to disobey God and to forfeit what is good. It's in man's power to disobey God. And these verses that he quoted, one's obviously from Matthew 7, and one's from Matthew 5, uh, they demonstrate the independent will of man, not forced to do evil, uh, not forced to do good, uh, maybe influenced to do evil or good, but not forced, and has the independent will to choose evil or good. Clement of Alexandria, now one, around 195 A.D. We have believed and are saved by voluntary choice. Let's listen again. We have believed and are saved by voluntary choice. Clement of Alexandria, around 195 A.D. So he's not saying his voluntary choice is what literally saves him, but he, by voluntary choice, has chosen to be saved, and therefore the blood of Jesus applies to him. Okay, let's go on to the next one. Clement of Alexander once again, 195 A.D. To obey or not is in our own power, provided we do not have the excuse of ignorance. Uh, that's a good quote there. He's obviously applying the principle of knowledge equals accountability. One more from Clement of Alexandria. Each one of us who sins with his own free will chooses punishment. So the blame lies without, with him who chooses. God is without blame. Again, Clement of Alexandria, one, around 195 A.D. And then one more, this is from Tertullian. And he's from around 207 A.D. It's the first one I'm reading from the 3rd century. It says, I find then that man was constituted free by God. He was master of his own will and power. For a law would not be imposed upon one who did not have it in his power to render that obedience which is due to law. Nor again would the penalty of death be threatened against sin if a contempt of the law were impossible to man in the liberty of his will. Man is free, with a will either for obedience or resistance. Tertullian, 207 A.D. So you can see from the abundance of people that I quoted from, and I could quote from more, but I'm not going to go on and on about it, uh, none of the early church fathers, at least the ones that I read, and all I've read, I've read quite a few of them, I have found not one early church father who didn't believe in free will. Even Augustine at the beginning believed in free will, and he of course, contradicts himself later on when he makes up this silly little doctrine called original sin. But none of the early church fathers that I've read, and I've read quite a few, and if you can find one that doesn't believe in original sin, I'm, I'm talking about anti-Nicene fathers, the ones before the Council of Nicaea. If you can show me one that didn't believe in free will, that was an agnostic, I might be willing to uh, to listen to what you have to say about that. But so Calvinist, you have the whole uh, authority of the early church fathers who came from the apostles and the disciples of the apostles and disciples of the disciples of the apostles these men were passing it on none of them believed in predestination the way you do none of them believed that God was the primary cause of all things none of them believed in original sin or sinful nature they all believed that man had a free will to obey God or not to obey God to choose punishment or not to choose punishment 
And this is the whole foundation in all their minds of not having an excuse before God. Um, so if you don't believe in free will, you don't, and you do believe in original sin and sinful nature and, and God's primary cause of all things, then, then what you have is man having an excuse before God. So I pray you'll just uh, consider these things, and at the least, you'll stop saying that Calvinism is a historical faith. It's not historical, unless you're going back to like the 1600s, or going back to Augustine's time, then it might be historical from then. Uh, but other than that, it's not historical going back to the beginning. And um, the, what I believe the early fathers are sharing here is the faith once for all delivered to the saints, as Jude said, and passing on to the next generation. So I read from the 2nd century and the 3rd century A.D., and read from about six or seven different authors, and they all believe the same thing. So, Calvinism is not historical, not orthodox from the beginning, and uh, free will is true, it's biblical, it's orthodox, and it's historical. At the least, it's not a doctrine of demons. So, consider these things, read the early church fathers for yourself, to hear the truth is, stop believing what you're being told, Stop believing what people are saying and just regurgitating it out. Uh, when you listen to your teachers, look into it for yourself to see if it's true. Uh, we don't need a man to teach us. We have the Holy Spirit that can teach us all things. Well, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, subscribe, Refuting Calvinism. If you like the videos, I'll have more videos coming. And uh, I look forward to interacting with you on this. God bless.